Hello. Welcome to EV Chat, the exciting new podcast and place to be. We get to e-meet and greet industry players and decision makers. We'll be asking and discussing some tough questions from drivers on the street to top CEOs from major EV organizations, entrepreneurs, legislators from all over the globe. Stick around. This is a different kind of show. Let's rock it. Welcome to EV Chat, powered by 365 Pronto and sponsored by Fluke Corporation, the leader in testing and measurement tools. I'm your host, Rue Phillips. This season, we're going to go back to school, bringing you deep dives into the key components and terms in electric vehicle infrastructure. If you're new to the podcast and to the world of EVs, be sure to check out the previous episodes where we unpack all the acronyms and jargon we commonly use and also teach you about how EV batteries and charging stations deliver power to your cars. Now that we have an idea of how things work, we're excited to talk about something I think doesn't get discussed enough. What happens when our EV charging equipment needs servicing and how do we do it safely? We call it Operations and Maintenance, or O&M, and today we're talking with the people who help make it happen. Let's start rocking, shall we? All right, let's talk a little bit about Operations and Maintenance, O&M. As automakers across the globe are on track to hit their goals of electrification by 2030, industry experts agree that key barriers to widespread EV adoption include making sure that the EV chargers are plentiful and working properly. This helps us get more drivers in EVs and reduce things like range anxiety, so people know they'll have a charge to get where they need to go. Now, the cost of EV installation continues to go down, but what do we do when they need repairs or maintenance? Who do we turn to? Do we have enough people to manage this Herculean effort? As someone who's worked in this space for decades, I think now's the time to make sure that we prioritize a sizable and reliable maintenance infrastructure that includes excellent training in how to safely service our systems. I think this has been overlooked. We need to focus on keeping things running smoothly and fix problems before they break. This will save us tons of money in the future. So what education and training do O&M professionals need? How do we ensure that our EV charging equipment is serviced safely by certified, competent and compliant electricians and technicians? To discuss this with us, I'm very pleased to welcome Jennifer Method, Director of Business Development and Industry Promotion for the Southeastern Michigan Chapter of the National Electrical Contractors Association and National Co-Chair of the Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Training Program, or EVITP. Jennifer is an expert workforce development specialist who's spent the last dozen years promoting safety and competence for electrical contractors and is a true advocate for EV infrastructure. Jennifer holds a bachelor's degree in broadcasting from Central Michigan University and is still active in the broadcast media community. 
I'd like to welcome Jennifer to the show. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Rue, and thanks so much for having me today. I'm very excited to be here with you. So EVITP stands for the Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Training Program. And it's really a program that we started working with industry on in anticipation of the launch of the Chevy Volt in 2009. So when that vehicle came out in 2011, 2012, we had been working in collaboration with automakers, utility companies, EVSE manufacturers, the inspector community, electrical professionals, contractors, electricians, to really look at what do we need to create for training, specifically for electricians who will be installing charging equipment to adequately support the market. Everyone at the table at that time, I think, really approached this truly holistically. We all had a stake in the game. We all had a piece of this potential business, but we knew that if we didn't all come together and work on things like safety, number one priority, and also ease of customer access, that the market would probably stall or not grow as rapidly as we could. So we spent a lot of time in conversation and meetings developing what ultimately became a curriculum for electricians that we've deployed nationwide and also in Canada to train and adequately support the market through electricians. The program is quite robust. It ended up being 18 hours of training. It covers all types of charging. And I think the great thing and really kind of the magical thing about EVITP to me, Rue, is that because we've engaged all of these industry partners, we are able to go back to industry constantly and get updates on what is happening in the market. So when we began the program, induction charging wasn't happening as prevalently. DC fast charging wasn't happening as prevalently. As those things change, as equipment and technology changes and market needs change, we're also able to update that curriculum and stay truly in real time. Interesting. So EVITP is not just a pool of skilled, qualified labor, but it's an opportunity for the young electricians that want to get into the EV space. Is that correct? Is that a good observation? It is. An electrician who is a licensed electrician and working at a certain capacity, that's kind of the baseline to come into the EVITP training. So we start with folks who are already established professionals in the industry, and we layer on this 360 view of everything you need to know about the proper installation of EVSE. A lot of that does include things like knowing about the vehicles, understanding what customers might ask you across any market, site assessment, load calculations, anything, of course, that has to do with electrical code and safety. But where the market sits today, of course, there are a lot more vehicles on the road than when we originated the program over a decade ago is really about what's happening. Customers still have lots of conversations about what types of charging are best. Do we want to go with level two? How much DC fast charging should we integrate? What is the application of induction in my specific setting? So we have found that our electricians and our electrical professionals, our contractors need to know more because the market is still relatively new than they might, not as electricians necessarily, we do layer that technical expertise on, but they need to know more about the whole industry to be able to answer those questions. Interesting. So one would hope that if I'm Joe Public and I go and buy an electric vehicle, that the guy that I'm having installing the EV charger has the typical EVITP experience. Yes. You know, we have about just around 5,000 EVITP certified electricians in the U.S. right now. 
So we are seeing those numbers grow really rapidly with all of the announcements in the last 18 months about electric vehicles, the electrification plan, certainly the infrastructure bill talking about adding electrification into the marketplace, all the charging equipment that would support it. So we are growing rapidly. EVITP credentialing should signal to any consumer, really in any market, that this person is a licensed qualified electrician who also has specialty training that was developed by the industry, by the market, that should give them tremendous confidence in the installation work that's going to be going on for their particular project. Yeah, with my work with 365 Pronto, I know the most important factors are, we call the three C's, certification, compliance, and competence. And it seems like that that's a focus of the EVITP program. So Jennifer, tell me what kind of education do the electricians need to get started in EVSEs? Are there any common misconceptions about this work? You know, I think generally, you know, again, we start with a person that, you know, is a professional electrician licensed. They have that technical expertise from education they would have received as an electrician and also their experience in the field. Specific to EVSE, it's really just breaking down the different types of charging on the applications. We spend a lot of time in our course on load calc and really looking at every specific site to make sure that power is adequate, that it's safe, that we're not overloading circuits, that we're not putting too much of a drain on that specific property. You know, depending on how much capacity is in that specific property, we may need to add more, but all of those considerations go into it. So this isn't something that's foreign to the level of electrician that we work with, but it is really specific to what are the draws on all of the different EVSC chargers and what are those considerations. From a consumer side, you know, it tends to kind of come down to what are some of those considerations in terms of where to locate charging? How are we charging for it? Is it an amenity? Those conversations are still very much happening in the marketplace. I'm also hearing now that there are more chargers in place. Are they functioning properly when someone comes to their charging station? More and more people are getting EVs. They're searching for them, searching maps, finding a portal. And sometimes they're showing up and they're either not functioning or there's been some kind of an issue. So we teach to that in EVITP already but I'm quickly seeing that the service and maintenance of this equipment as it goes in is going to become really critical to that consumer experience. So, you know, we're certainly communicating that out to our network of contractors and helping supporting them in that, but it's one piece to get that equipment into the ground, but the track then, the life of that charger is really going to need to be a strong consideration moving forward. So uh, I'm going to get off on a little bit of a rant here because I'm talking about something dear to my heart. Uh, Let's talk about electricians, tradesmen, skilled carpenters, plumbers, electricians. Uh, There's a lack of skilled labor in the market today. Would you agree with that statement? There's a lack of skilled labor? I think generally, yes. You know, I think in pockets around the country, the labor markets look okay. But yes, without a doubt, we have a couple of things happening at the same time, generally speaking, in the labor market, in the construction trades across the board. You know, we had some years where we were in that 2008, 9, 10, a little bit of a recession in the country where we were bringing in less people, less people were coming into this. Combine that kind of with a decades-long movement to move all of high school talent into college directly, right? Not into the skilled trades. Mm -hmm. And combining that really with a baby boomer retirement that's happening across many of the trades. So you kind of have this influx happening. And I think that's really nothing but opportunity. 
So anyone that would want to become an electrician or work certainly with EV as part of their electrical career should know that there's plenty of work out there. There's high demand from those two factors. We have lots of people that are looking at retiring in the next five to seven years. And we have a really robust market that's growing really rapidly that makes sure that there's a great pipeline of work there. You know, I think the skilled trades as a whole, I've seen a lot of in my work around the country, a lot more outreach and onboarding, a lot more work directly with schools, with counselors, with parents, students having the conversation about what a career in the skilled trades looks like. These are amazing jobs. Um, They're also an amazing platform to really, if you want to be a contractor, a great place to start is as a tradesperson. If you want to go into being a business development person for a contractor, the, the platform of knowledge that you get through skilled trades education, I think is a great foundation to take your career, your track in the electrical profession, really anywhere that you want it to go. That's a great point. I speak a lot in lectures on local trade schools and colleges And there's a misconception, I think, out there that if you don't have an MBA, you're not going to make it in corporate America. What I would love, especially for the listeners of EV Chat, is that we need to be ambassadors, that the renewable energy sector needs skilled labor. It's a perfect time for someone that's looking for a job and not be too scared of tech. When they hear about electric cars and renewable energy and solar and battery energy storage, it can get kind of overwhelming. So you're training people across the country. Are there any hotspots where more people could come into the O&M and we need to kind of focus on? Generally speaking, because of those two factors, you know, kind of the market upticking as well as retirement, really all markets in the U.S. are looking for talent. They're looking for qualified talent to begin an electrical career. We have certain markets that are hot in EVs, certain that are hot in solar and energy storage. All of those areas are growing. And I think that is something that existing electricians who are already working in the field simply need to look at. How do I layer specialty training? that I can prove, right? That's a market certification on top of what I already know to be able to compete in the market, to deliver the best customer experience that's safe, but also to continue to grow myself as a professional in this field. So I think we're seeing opportunity for both people new to the electrical trade coming in, but we're also seeing an expansion of a skill set of existing electricians. And a lot of the focus of work that we're doing with EVITP is really doing that part. We're taking an electrician who's already working very successfully in the field, who has experience, and we're layering on technical expertise to allow them to compete at the highest level of the EV market as it grows, as it is today, and as it goes forward. So personally, I think that training should be mandatory for a safety level. You know, we have a NFPA, National Fire Protection Association, which uh, Pronto is a big advocate of training and safety. The folks who service EV charging stations, you know, they deal with a lot of different types of power, AC and DC. Tell us what steps and precautions they're taking as part of your EVITP training. I imagine the safety aspect, as well as the technical aspect, is a big component in the training, yeah? It is a large portion of the curriculum. It's really the heart of the curriculum is safety, safety, safety. Much of this development of the EVIT program really came out of risk mitigation and safety. And how do we take care of the people that buy EVs? How do we make sure that technical equipment is functioning properly to support the market? We are certainly incredibly safety focused, but to your point about requiring more training specifically for this area, you know, unfortunately in my role 
nationally, I still hear stories about, not from our installation group, but just, you know, the market is installing this equipment, it's going in. But if people don't know what they're doing and they aren't taking into consideration the draw of that charging and the charge of the car, they're not taking even into consideration ventilation in a garage situation. They're not taking into account the load calc on that structure. Fires can happen. I just had one reference this week in a new build condo that was 10 months old and a fire started from the charger connection in that garage. This was not installed by us, but it does happen. And it was simply that installation looked at putting it's just an appliance. Let's just stick it on the wall, plug the car in, but it didn't consider all of those unique things to EV charging and it resulted in a fire. And we want to make sure from an EVITP standpoint that that never happens. That's the most, most important one. What we don't want to hear and see is fires through a lack of training and competence. Let's talk about lawmakers, legislators. Are you active in that sector to kind of help educate the people at the top where this focus needs to be also? So we've been fortunate to really be working very closely with legislators, the Department of Energy, and even the Biden administration for many years in terms of Department of Energy was one of our very first program evaluators when we launched EVITP and actually designated EVITP in their best practice document for owners and consumers, commercial buildings, referencing it as just really terrific training and something to use as a best practice. So we're very proud of that. And through those relationships, we've been able to connect in Washington, connect at the local level, state level, having conversations that hopefully will help lawmakers craft policy that looks at the need of proven training and certification wrapped around EVITP, because it is such a robust program and it's using existing electricians who already have an electrical skill set that we can build on. So we were fortunate to be referenced in the original Biden Energy Plan, which is now the infrastructure bill. We are continuing to work very closely with the administration, with local municipalities, with state governments, to really have those conversations about what is the best practice deployment of infrastructure in my state, my community, my town, my country look like? And what is the role of EVITP in that, in making sure that that installation network is trained? proven, certified, trained people. And so a lot of that work is happening now. There's so much movement in this space that I feel like we're talking to one lawmaker or another every day. I was fortunate enough to have the governor of Michigan into one of our training facilities yesterday, and we were walking around and really talking about a lot of different renewable energy options, but talking about the importance of the safety and the training and the fact that it is part of an overall electrician's portfolio and that we need to make sure that we're starting with the base of really highly skilled, highly qualified people, and we're laying on this technical skill. You say proven, certified, trained. I think a perfect marriage would be 365 Pronto's certified, compliant, competent, proven, certified, trained would be fantastic. Uh, let's go back to the lawmakers. What would be one thing you wish the lawmakers and public knew about EVSE and O&M? What else do you think we should be addressing, they should be addressing at the top as funding comes to various states? You know, I think we touched on it before, safety, 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 and making sure that policy, you know, how a lawmaker could ensure that these are all going to be done safely is making sure that the basics are in place. And that means that it's being done by licensed electricians or qualified electricians that have a certain amount in states that don't have licensing, a certain amount of experience. 
that those electricians also have a credential like EVITP that says they not only are good as electricians, they're also really good specifically at EVSE. All of those things, I think, could put some assurances into, from a lawmaker standpoint, from a legislation standpoint, that this is all going to be done safely. It's going to be done using people who know what they're doing. And from an electrician with experience standpoint, it isn't that this is so difficult. It's that it's different and that you have to pay attention to how it's different and make sure that you have explored this fully so that you're moving forward, making sure you're taking into consideration load calcs and the service and maintenance of these units so that it all kind of fits together. Again, we think about there's getting that equipment into the ground, but then what happens next? And it all interfaces with the customer, all of it. So how is that experience going to play out and how does that role, you know, the electrician in my mind plays a very significant role in the success of this market expansion mm-hmm. because they're getting equipment very safely installed, but they're also going to be able to make sure that it's working, that it's maintained properly, that all of those units work. So when you as an EV owner are traveling and planning your route and you need to find that charging station that you show up, that it works that all the connection is there, and that that is an operational unit for you. Because that is not showing up on your app, saying here's a charging station here. What's not showing up is the functionality of it. Now, we're not finding prevalently that consumers are finding charging stations that are not functioning, but it is a consideration as more and more equipment comes into the marketplace, the maintenance of that will be really important as well. So from a lawmaker perspective, I would always be looking at what is the safest least amount of risk that we can do in terms of policy to make sure that we've done our due diligence in getting this equipment in the ground safely so that it works, that we don't have a risk. And, you know, I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. So let's talk about that O&M and service. I imagine a technician, an electrician that has EVITP certification is a perfect candidate for the long-term servicing of electric vehicle chargers. Is that true? Is there a segment that talks about service? Yes, Ruth, thank you. Within the EVITP course, we do go all the way through service and commissioning and the maintenance of the equipment. So it's covered in the course. I do have more contractors within our network who have their electricians out doing this work now. And that's in markets where there's been more infrastructure in, in for a longer period of time. Frankly, you know, some of our markets like California, the coast markets, there are pockets where infrastructure went in early and they're kind of in that phase where they need maintenance and service. And we have folks ready to do that. And the EVITP program, anybody that goes through that will be prepared to do that work because we know it's a huge piece of it. I think if we had stopped just at how do you get the equipment in the ground, we would have missed a huge opportunity, but also a really huge piece of the customer satisfaction end of installing charging equipment and moving into electrification. And now a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Fluke Corporation, the world leader and manufacturer of electrical test and measurement equipment. Fluke keeps your world up and running. You know, with so many diverse types of EV chargers out there and so much voltage behind them, It's more important than ever to have the right tool to safely diagnose, troubleshoot, and ensure your electric vehicle supply equipment is working properly after the repair or service. When it comes to safety and lives on the line, there's simply no room for error. 
Fluke's instruments are designed and tested to get the job done efficiently, with ease, and to get your workforce home to their families at the end of each workday. You can rely on Fluke to keep you and your workforce safe from harm. After all, you can't put a price on your safety. To learn more about Fluke's premium products and suite of EV tools, visit Fluke.com. That's F-L-U-K-E dot com. Fluke.com. Now let's get back to rocking out with Jennifer. So I'm actually in the market of buying an electric vehicle. And on a future upcoming show, we will be doing kind of like their top gear as I test drive all these EVs. Talk me through some of the key considerations that I, as an everyday EV driver, should be looking for about electric vehicle charging, the installation. How do I get to an EVITP certified installer, Jennifer? Yeah, so we've made it as easy as possible on our website, evitp.org. We actually have a directory that you could go to as a consumer or a business, and you can search by your location to find one of our certified contractors. That certified contractor employs EVITP, our affiliated contractors employ certified electricians that have the EVITP certification. So that's a great place to start. I also think that's a great place for a consumer to start having conversations specifically about charging as it relates to your location. It could be your home location. You know, is it a newer property? Is it an older property? And really to kind of engage that community in some of that decision-making process. What is your charging at work going to look like? Does your workplace have charging? Typically, the consumer that purchases the vehicle drives the at-work charging conversation which may be something that happens with a business owner, but that electrical contractor and professional that's in that EVITP network can really handle both of those conversations. So that's what I would look at. And, you know, from a consumer standpoint, obviously, one of the exciting things about the EV market right now is all the different types of vehicles that are coming out. So, you know, until probably the last 18 months, and certainly as we look ahead, really every type of platform and style of vehicle will be coming out. And American consumers definitely love to drive what they like to drive. If you're a truck person, you're a truck person. If you're an SUV person, you pretty much stay in that lane. And there's really a choice in every single style of car, size, efficiency, work trucks, SUVs for consumers to pick from, luxury vehicles, mid vehicles. And that's exciting to me. I think that really speaks to how committed the automakers are in the space. My home market is Detroit. And when we start seeing the automakers moving into retooling factories to produce only electric vehicles, to investing in battery facilities, those are billion-dollar investments. Those are very significant investments in lines that they will keep going. So they're in the space They're moving forward and these vehicles are going to keep coming out. So I think that's really exciting. What I love about this iteration of EV expansion is that there's so much diversity among the vehicle portfolio that really every consumer in the U.S. that wants a vehicle will find one in the type of vehicle that they like. And then they'll start having those conversations about how quickly do you want to charge One of the other things I think about American consumers, right, we want our cell phone to be charged at all times. We don't like to wait for anything. So I think folks will move very quickly into having level two charging in their home, into having those conversations with their place of work, wanting to have charging at work and what does that thoughtful plan look like, but also needing access to DC fast charging in public spaces so that they can go through their driving experience with maybe a little less planning because it takes a little less time to charge. 
Yeah, talk about that for a second. DC fast charging. I mean, that's a, another component and opportunity, if you like, for your contractors and electricians is to get trained and certified where we call them the OEMs, yeah, the original equipment manufacturers. Adding that little segment of DC fast charging to their credentials, if you like, opens up a wide range of business opportunities. So I said I'm in the market for an electric vehicle charger in my home, and I will definitely pronto be picking an EVITP electrician. You can be sure of that. So, Jen, I want to talk a little bit about what I mentioned about the shortage of labor in the workforce. I think it's more serious than we're making out the billions of dollars of stimulus money is about to hit the communities and the ability to reach those skilled labor. I think EVITP is doing a fantastic job on that. Do you echo those statements about there is a shortage of labor and we need to get to the schools and the colleges to better educate these guys to come into that sector? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely encouraged by more conversations around this and higher numbers of younger folks kind of coming out of high school and early career into the electrical trade. So there's more conversation around it. It is growing. We do understand that there's a need for even more. I don't think that you can have those conversations enough, Rue. You know, I think that we're kind of at this unique period of time where I'm almost seeing kind of a renaissance for skilled trades. I think folks are understanding that there's not only great careers there, but there are great education paths, which oftentimes, depending on your program, are paid for. So you're not incurring college debt. I think it's a piece also that skilled trades opportunities for education are typically earned while you learn. So they're in the field, they're jobs which allows someone who may be in, let's say, a career already, but it isn't really going anywhere. They're not seeing themselves really evolving in that. Maybe they can't really earn what they need to earn. It's not really going anywhere. I do see a lot of those folks coming in to start their career as electricians because they have an opportunity to get education while they're working in the field. And that's really important, especially as an adult worker, you need to work, you need to earn a living. So that piece, I think that in many places, people are starting to understand the amount of money that you can make, frankly, as an electrician, as a really good qualified skilled electrician, and all the ways that you can develop your career in the electrical industry. The growth of the EV market will just help propel the jobs growth of electricians overall. But my feeling is that the more electricians that we can create that can really serve any of these newer technology markets, whether it's solar or energy storage, EV, that's really the sweet spot. You want someone that comes in with a broad base of electrical knowledge and a specialty training in a certain technology. And that's really what EV, that's the role that EVITP plays is it delivers a specialty credential developed by industry to an existing electrician so they can grow in that area in their field. But yes, we're always looking for people and looking to connect people. Some of the work that I've been doing with the school counselor community, with school administrators, with parents, is really bringing them into training centers that train electricians and getting them to do some hands-on themselves, where they're actually doing some wiring and doing some conduit bending and core skill, but having a bigger conversation about how this pathway is different and that these are the types of careers that 
come out the other end. Let's face it, we've had decades of marketing, decades of messaging within our school system that gets college, 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 right? That's how schools are judged. That's how everybody's like, all of our kids go to college. And that's not necessarily bad. It just needs to be connected to a growing jobs market on the other end of that college. And that's the piece of it that isn't always happening, right? Either the degree is too broad or it wasn't of interest, or frankly, by the time they have the degree, that market isn't growing. So I'm seeing a trend in the skilled trades folks that I have that are new coming into the industry. I probably have in certain markets, 30 to 40% of our applicants have a college degree. They either have a bachelor's degree or an associate degree. And it's simply because they graduated from high school and they got the message, you got to go to college. So they went and it wasn't horrible. They finished. But when they got out, there wasn't a market either for what they were doing or they were working in that market under their skill level or just not making what they were making or kind of seeing that. How does this career pathway grow for me? So they're moving into this industry because they see it growing. So that's becoming, I think, much more normal. And what we'd love to do is just to keep that conversation going so they're not spending those years getting that. I mean, if they, we love education in, in the electrical field. So if they have a degree, that's all good with us. It's all good. But just making sure that folks understand that pathway that they can come right into electrical trades education right out of high school. And that's a good point. We're all advocates for good education, but to push a young student into becoming an architect or an accountant and get his MBA when really he's skilled with his hands. Some of these kids are destined for skilled jobs. So I think we do, we need to get into the schools and say, guys, look at this opportunity. You pointed out these are good paid jobs. This isn't low level labor. We're talking about a need and a demand for this skill. 365 Pronto, again, is a big advocate for that training, and I'm an ambassador for the cause, so I'll follow you on uh, any school that you want me to do a lecture on that, Jennifer. Wonderful. Some of the biggest conversations we have with the counseling community and schools is around the, you know, the math competency that an electrician at our level needs. So they really need college-level math skills. They need to be excellent at algebra, geometry, and trig. They'll use it every day. And that's, I think, a point that is often missed is like, what is the qualified candidate? We really need folks that could go to college, that have the grades and have that math competency. They'll use it every day, especially as an electrician. It is the most math intensive trade of all the skilled trades. But certainly, I think just a key point that most folks don't really understand the potential, the income potential, the growth potential within an industry, and that you know it is a viable option other than just going straight into college. But we oftentimes have electricians that we work with that are finishing an associate degree at the same time or a bachelor's degree, and we have articulation agreements with colleges. So we're very much pro-education. Electrical is a field that is constantly changing and evolving from a technology standpoint. So the more education, the better. So my final question for you, you talk to some of the lawmakers, the legislators, the commissioners, the governors. If you had one wish, let's say... You are in control of a $5 billion budget. What would that be? Where would you have these guys spend that money and uh, focus on, Jennifer? You know, I feel like, again, this connectivity of how do I, if I purchase an EV, how do I move through my life the way that I did before? So I think thoughtful infrastructure deployments around how do I get from one place to the other and know that charging is safe, reliable, and consistent and close together. 
so that I don't have to spend so much time thinking about my routing as a driver. You know, I'll do it for a while, but it would be nice to not have to think about it. Like we don't have to think about finding a gas station today for an ICE vehicle. I think that makes a lot of difference just in terms of how this market's gonna expand. Right now we're seeing charging infrastructure, you know, I think well-intended, but some of it's going into locations that probably don't feel super consumer safe. Backs of buildings, you know, they're not in prominent locations. The lighting may not be great. I think we have to think about how does safety and just my comfort level when I'm charging come into play? What am I doing while I'm charging? Is there anything for me to do? I know I'm gonna be there for at least 30 minutes, so what am I doing? I think those conversations are great. And of course, I would love to have lawmakers look at requiring EVITP certification as a baseline for a person that's installing equipment. It's a tremendous program. It's like nothing else in the marketplace. It offers a holistic, comprehensive training. It really encompasses the entire industry and I think really does a terrific job addressing safety concerns and just the thoughtful, responsible installation of equipment as we grow. So what are you up to next? Tell me, you're talking to governors, legislators, lawmakers. Oh my gosh, what's next on the agenda for EVITP? So, you know, we are actively within our contractor network. They're seeing a huge uptick of deployment of equipment, which is great. So business is good. We're always looking to grow our network with qualified people on that other track is that we are training lots of electricians around the country with the and be, having them become EVITP certified in anticipation of how their markets are going to be growing. I think that there's a tremendous interest in this area from the electrical community. So even in markets where they have very little vehicles, very little infrastructure deployment, we're actively doing training there because I think the whole electrical community knows this market's going to grow and they need to be prepared and ready to go when it hits their market. We're definitely continuing to talk to legislators and policymakers about best practices, thoughtful deployment. Um, a lot of my work also is, is right at the customer level where I'm talking to folks about how do we plan in my municipality, the integration of charging equipment or in my facility, what is that going to look like? And I think there are going to be any number of those conversations. And I think what continually comes up to me is that people really want a reliable installation network. They want to know that if they go into this space and they add this equipment into their facility, into their community, into their home, they can trust it. It starts with hiring somebody that knows what they're doing and that has a proven skill to do it, proven certification. I think that all of that really helps people be assured that the decisions they're making are smart, partner with good people. So are there any uh, plans on uh, stepping up training in disadvantaged communities, Jennifer, like an awareness in those disadvantaged communities that there's uh, opportunities to earn a decent living in the trades? So I think this is particularly important to the electricians and the trades that I work with is really reaching into the disadvantaged communities and making sure they understand the opportunities in the electrical industry. So the entry point would be for them to come in as an apprentice and kind of build an electrical career. I think one of the things that we talk to them about is that it isn't a job. It is really a career. It's a career pathway that you'll have forever as long as you're working within our industry, there's a ton of outreach in our markets happening. And a lot of that can look like specialty cohorts where you are taking folks who have had little to no construction experience and putting together workshop programs. Some of those are paid where they're actually coming into job sites and having some on-the-job experiences. 
to see if this is really for them. I've been fortunate to work with a program in Detroit that works with cohorts of 15 and will put them onto large job sites across multiple trades. But I think you can talk to people who have not had experience in construction about it or show them as much content as you possible. But until you get them on a job site, that's really the metric for, is this for them? But educating, how do we get there? How do they tap into these networks? There's a lot of that effort going on around the country, and I think at higher levels than ever before, and it just needs to continue to grow because there is nothing but opportunity there. But I think we have to be thoughtful in engagement and making sure that we're being inclusive in recruitment and being inclusive in conversation, but also in really giving them an experience to come onto a job site and see it and to have conversations with electrical professionals to understand what this looks like. You know, until you have some of that, I think you're not really sure if this is right or not for you. So I love what you said about the apprenticeship program and focusing on a career as an electrician. I think what's important to understand, uh, you know, as an electrician, the commonalities between solar, battery energy storage, and electric vehicles, they all tie in together. I mean, and you mentioned that EVIT program is a source for electricians. So, you know, your contractors can tap into this market of solar, battery energy storage and electric cars. Really, really, really exciting. Really exciting. It is exciting. And we do address solar integration into charging systems within the EVITP curriculum because we kind of know that those things tie together. Storage is a natural extension of that, depending on the size of the system. In certain markets, in the coastal markets, we probably see more prevalently, certainly in the California market, the integration of solar. But I do see some integration of that in different pockets around the country. But we kind of feel like that's where the market's headed. So we want to make sure that we keep that in the EVITP program and also talk a bit about storage. Now, an electrician would have specialty training just for solar also and specialty training just for storage because those markets are so deep. And they really require that focused training. But we do also talk specifically about solar integration with charging in our program as well. Well, sadly, we have come to the end of our program, Jennifer. I love what you're doing. I really, really do. I think it's so important for our future in the renewable sector, specifically electric vehicles. Again, I will be picking an EVITP contractor through the 365 Pronto Network look forward to following you on your endeavors please keep what you're doing keep it up come back and see us would you thanks so much Ru. it was a pleasure to be with you today thanks for the opportunity thank you jennifer and there you have it we've come to the end of our second season if you've been tuning in all season you've gotten a crash course in our jargon how things work and what it takes to keep evs charged and running now now for the final exam just kidding. I want to thank our guests today and throughout the season for sharing their time and expertise with us, as well as our sponsors, 365 Pronto and Fluke Corporation, the world leader in the manufacture, distribution and service of electric test and measurement tools. Fluke, keeping your world up and running. And I want to say a special thanks to you for tuning in and learning with us. Now we want to hear from you. What do you want to learn in future seasons? Are you convinced to become an EV driver? Are you pursuing a career in O&M? Let me know at rue at 365pronto.com. That's R-U-E at 365pronto.com. 
Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast and watch for your feed for new episodes this year. If you like this episode, share it with your friends or consider leaving us a rating. This helps us reach even more current and future enthusiasts. I have a blast recording these EV chats and learning more as we go. And as I said, if there's any topic that you'd like to hear about, drop me a line, rue at 365pronto.com. Looking forward to a great electric new year. I'm your host, Rue Phillips, signing off. Ciao.